0: Hey guys, welcome to Bible and Stuff, a podcast about the Bible
1: and stuff.
0: I'm Tanner. And I'm Glenn, and we are super excited to have you guys listening in today. We're going to hop right in. Tanner's got a fun little question that he wants to ask us. Um, I'm a little nervous, but we'll see see what we got in (laughs) store.
1: Okay, so we're talking about Philippians. Okay. Um, we're going to try to do like this overview of the whole book, but what I thought would be fun. I like how I said, okay, like
0: I didn't know that's what we're talking about today. <laughs> but
1: It's not on the notes right in front of you. Um, so how I wanted to start things off, how I wanted to get our juices flowing here, is just talk about this question. I'm going to ask it to you. I told you like to not think about it right. too much. I'm just going to get your... your uh, off-the-cuff answer, which is, what do you think is the biggest enemy of your joy? So we all want joy, right? That's right, kind of right. something we're, we're striving for. If you listen to old Johnny P., John Piper, he says God is most satisfied in us when we are most satisfied in him. So he pushes joy, joy, joy. Like, that's what we should seek to find. We should seek to find it in the Lord. But we also all have this problem of our joy being ruined and we're sad and we're angry and we deal with all these other emotions so what do you think gets in the way of joy the most for you man
0: i i don't think i can well i guess i can pinpoint it i i think it's things okay so and that's really really broad yeah but i think about like okay well work can get in the way of of My joy. Mm -hmm. I think I get focused and sidetracked on things. Um, I think certain people can get in the way of my joy. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe there's situations that come up that are just not fun to deal with, or Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. But the the last thing is actual, like physical things, I think, too. Um, If I, I don't know, I get a new toy or something like that, I'm really happy and excited to have it. But that happiness fades away quickly after because I'm like, man, I just want the next thing. So I I think things are maybe what steals my joy. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. So you know me well enough to know that there was like a right answer. (laughs) (laughs) And I got it wrong. (laughs) You didn't get it right. (laughs) But uh, you kind of did because uh, in all of your answers you hinted at, What I would say is the right answer. And if I phrase the question in a different way, I think you'll say two. And let me put it this way. Who is your biggest enemy? Satan. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you might say that. If you had to guess number two, what would you say? Probably myself. Exactly. Yeah. So in all your answers, you said the word I. You said, so this thing... And you know, I get focused on work, or um, I want to avoid these situations in other relationships, or I get this new toy and then I get bored with it. So I think the biggest thing that hurts my joy is me. I think the thing that constantly gets in the way of me being completely satisfied in the Lord and having that joy that you can only find in Him is myself and my own sinful nature and all that stuff that we can talk more about, but. Um ultimately we get in our own way all the time and ruin it for ourselves in the end we're our own worst enemy. So Tanner, how do I get out of my own way? <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll uh we'll see if we can solve that problem. Um but I do think Philippians like has some help for us. I feel like I know the book better than I've ever known it. We're like I've been talking to you about it a lot trying to save like some for the podcast, but also really excited and kind of like overflowing with some of uh, the cool things that I've learned and noticed as I've read this. Yeah. So, just so you guys know, Tanner
0: probably calls me more than my wife does <laughs> <laughs> to tell me about these exciting you know things. And you
1: answer about half the time. It's great. <laughs> That's all so accurate.
0: I, it's it's me, Tanner. I get my own way, and yeah. I just can't. Mm, yeah. So what you're trying to say is it's not you, it's me. All right, let's move <laughs> on with the podcast. So.
1: so I'll let the cat out of the bag from the get-go, and I'll say, what, now that I've studied and read the book, I think the theme that goes throughout the entire book of Philippians is. A lot of people, if they sum it up in one word, would say joy. They would say joy is the thing uh, that's mentioned over and over again in Philippians, and in, in uh, my mind, they're partially right. I think the other key to this overarching theme in the book is humility, and specifically you get to joy through
0: humility. So can we, and uh, maybe we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but can we maybe unpack that word a little bit? Because I think it can be uh, misconstrued sometimes. Mm-hmm. So when
1: you say humility, what does that mean to you? So it may be helpful. Like we were talking about getting in our own way. And humility, I might say this in a way that's a little clunky, but uh, it's it's being more selfless, right? It's getting rid of more of yourself that that rolls around in your head and worrying about your own interests and desires and you know anxieties and it's moving that out of the way and starting to think more about God and more about other people so yeah it's just there's a C.S. Lewis quote that gets quoted really often as humility is not thinking less of yourself it's not saying like, oh, I'm, I'm worthless or whatever. It's just thinking of yourself less.
0: Yeah, and I, uh, hearing you say that, I think that, that clarifies what that word means because I think too often we hear, oh, oh man, I was so humiliated, I did this. And basically you're saying you, you made a fool of yourself, but that humility is you're, you're so overwhelmed with the pride of what you're trying to do mm-hmm. that you can't have joy because you're getting in your own way.
1: Yeah, and I think you hit it at the beginning of what you're saying There is like a lot of times uh, humility gets misconstrued. as like this false humility that we feel like when someone compl- – like we're both in the worship band. When someone says, like, hey, it was a really good set today. Like, y'all did a great job. Like, that thing inside you that goes, like, oh, well, you know, anyway, it's, it was fine. You know what I mean? Like, that's not humility. I think we like to think it is, but that's really kind of a false humility – Humility is not, you know, discounting things that you did or whatever. It is, yeah, getting out of your own way by focusing on, on others. I like it. All right, so let's
0: go ahead and talk about Philippians now. Um, we know what our major theme is going to be here: the idea of of joy through humility. Um, how are we going to learn that? Who are we talking about here? Uh, Who's trying to tell us this? Mm -hmm. Uh, Give
1: us a rundown on Philippians. If we start at the beginning, um, we know we're in a letter called Philippians. It's called that because Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, known collectively as the Philippians. Um, And Paul himself is actually in prison in Rome as he's writing. And so kind of the uh, impetus, I don't know if I'm using that word correctly, but I'm going to use it anyway, kind of the impetus, the reason he starts the letter is the Philippians had sent a guy named Epaphroditus to help serve Paul and bring gifts to Paul while he was in this affliction in prison. And so Paul is, at the beginning, writing them a letter back to say, hey, like, thanks, like, I appreciate this, like, you guys have always cared about me. Like you see in verse 1-5, Paul says, um, we've had a partnership from the first day until now. That's Paul's way of saying, like, we go way back. Like, you have always supported me um, since the beginning, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate what you've done for me here in prison. And, of course, he doesn't miss the opportunity to also tell them what's on his mind.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I we're going to get into this a little bit more. I, it was kind of funny. I'm trying to, to think of everything from a perspective of, you know, like like I haven't read this before. We haven't talked about this before. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be interesting to somebody who maybe has never really thought about Philippians, who's writing it and stuff, to be hearing us say like, "Oh yeah, we're going to talk about this guy in jail who's going to be giving us all this advice and forethought on humility and joy." It's it's a little confusing, but I, I think we do kind of touch upon why he's in jail and and the purpose behind all of that
1: well it is kind of crazy that you mentioned that we're talking about a guy in jail but we're also saying like the entire book is him telling other people to be joyful yeah (laughs) (laughs) which is very counterintuitive but as we dig in here we learn that that's kind of how paul rolls so i think the first glimpse we'll see of that exact thing is in chapter one verses 12 through 18 Um, he's explaining essentially the situation he's in. So he says, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so it has become throughout the whole Imperial Guard that my imprisonment is for Christ. So he's Mm -hmm. saying, yes, I'm afflicted, yes, I'm in prison, but what has happened to me, I'm not complaining about that. Because what it has done is fueled the gospel to go out. And the prison guards know why I'm here. The people that are keeping me in this place know that it's because of the gospel. And to Paul, that's a great thing. You know, I think any of us would just be so focused on us and our situation and not wanting to be there. And he's saying, yeah, like, it's fine, like, because God's using it. Well, and and
0: not only that, but I feel like if I were in prison because I, I'm trying to spread the word of God and everything... I'm mad at God. Yeah, like I, I'm just thinking, why would you put me in this place? I, I think way too often as Christians we tend to think because we're Christians we have we we have a get out of jail free card. Like God loves us; he's gonna he's gonna provide for us, and and he does, mm-hmm. but not in the
1: way that we think all the time. Mm-hmm. And if Paul was more self focused, I think if I were in this position, how I would feel is like hey, I'm out here spreading the gospel. Why do you want me to be in jail, God? Right. It feels like you're holding me back Yeah, is my initial thought. Yeah, you should like help me go forward and keep this going. But what Paul says when he continues in those verses is he says, most of the brothers, so again, Paul's thinking about other people, they're actually more bold to speak without fear because of what has happened to me. So he's not self-focused. He's saying, the gospel's going forward even more than it would have probably if I was out there, because these guys are now really enlivened. And he goes even further to say, like, there's these people who are preaching, like, out of conceit, out of, like, rivalry, which is a weird thing, right? Like, they're brothers in Christ, possibly, like, they're preaching Jesus, they're preaching the gospel, but they're doing it kind of to rub it in Paul's face. I don't know if they're, like, you know, Paul's got a name for himself a little bit at this point, and I don't know if they're trying to say, like, well, my turn or what right. that is, but Paul says, hey, some people are doing it out of rivalry. Some people are doing it um alongside me in support and because they are brothers in Christ with me and they want to serve this gospel. But either way, they're talking about Jesus, and in that I have joy, that I'm rejoicing.
0: Yeah. So this... Uh, this all kind of brings us to, I feel like, one of the more popular scripture verses that, uh, I don't know, that Christians know.
1: Yeah, in the whole Bible, is, but, but but especially like in Philippians, we're going to come to two biggies that probably most people have heard. And this is the lesser of the two, um, but it's still definitely one that, I don't know, it's on some t-shirts, maybe it's on some coffee Which usually means it's not interpreted (laughs) correctly. It may be out of context. Um, But what's really interesting is, so to live is Christ, to die is gain. We hear that a lot. That's uh, 121. But what's interesting when you actually are in this book and you're carefully following the narrative, what you see is it's really Paul playing out the two things that could happen to him. He's not, he is, he's Paul, so he is kind of pontificating and saying all these grand things, but he's also, in a very simple way, just saying like, hey, I'm in jail, clearly, we've discussed that, so two things could happen. I could either stay in here until I die, or they kill me before they let me out, or I could go free. And he's saying, okay, let's think about those two options. To live, to go free, that's Christ. To die, if they kill me, that's gain." And Paul reinforces, again, this humility that he's found in Christ when he says, my desire is to depart. If it were up to me, I would rather die. I mean, let's just pause right there. Like, do you not have those days where you're like, <laughs> Jesus, take <comes."> me now. <laughs> Can this please all be over? And, and like, he's right. Like, to be gone from here and to be present with Christ is better.
0: <laughs> and Even to take that a step further, I don't even think he's saying it the same way we're saying yeah. it when we do that. Just to clarify, mm-hmm. I he's being legitimate. If if he were if we were to die today and go to Jesus, that is so much better than
1: anything that we could experience here. Yeah. For for us personally, that would be better. But of course, Paul says, if I remain in the flesh, that's more necessary for you guys. So I would love to die and go see Jesus, and we could hug it out and, you know, experience heaven, whatever that's like. Or I could stay here. I could continue to advance the gospel. I could continue to talk to you guys. He's hoping, he says in this book, to visit the Philippians and see them and encourage them. And that would be better for them. And so, because of that, he says, I'm convinced. I know that I'm going to remain. And I'm going to continue with you guys for your progress and your joy. Yeah, and that, that's just like, that's such a good message. And I think, I mean, I
0: hope we're, we're never quite in the same predicament that he's in, but I do hope that in times of struggle where maybe I am, I don't know, in a spot where I'm being persecuted or I'm in an area where I'm just, I am low, it can be for the benefit of others. And I see it that way, Mm -hmm. you know? uh, Yeah.
1: Well, normally when we're experiencing hardship, it drives us inward. And, uh, I think there's a lot to learn from Paul, even though he's in the midst of this thing, he's not thinking about himself. And I I can't help, but think that practicing that would make what the things I deal with not as bad. You know what I mean? Not feel so overwhelmed. I
0: don't think I know. (laughs) I know that's what it would be. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about it all the time at home. Like we struggle so much sometimes to give up our own ways and just trust that what God has in store is, is better. Mm -hmm. And Paul is doing that just willingly.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. We just want to control. Yeah. What's going on. And It's funny to me that like, even though Paul says like, hey, I'm convinced that I'm going to continue on, he really just has that faith in the Lord that it's going to happen. He's not really doing anything to ensure that he's not trying to manipulate. He's not trying to reason with people. He's just there. He's continuing to preach the gospel. He's writing letters to his friends in Philippi, and he has faith in the Lord that what the Lord wants is what's going to happen. And he thinks that's what the Lord wants, is for me to continue and help bring more joy and more help and more comfort to you guys. So, uh, this is all a long play for Paul. He is starting to build his point. As we can see, we already have seen this theme kind of like arise and and be um, the big topic of discussion in his letter. And... Before we get to about the middle of the book, what I'm going to call kind of the center which the book revolves around, he gives this command. It's probably like the key command, the big cornerstone of the book as far as like a declaration, like do this thing. He says in chapter 2, 3 through 5, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Hmm. So he's kind of giving away his secret sauce here. And he's also, as we kind of talked about, putting this onto them now. Like he has laid out what he's doing, and he's, again, telling the Philippians what's on his mind and say, you guys should be doing this. Yeah. And they probably are to some extent, but he's encouraging them and he's challenging them. Don't be selfish. Be more selfless. Be more humble. And you can do that through Christ.
0: Well, this is awesome stuff so far. Um, we're going to take a break.
1: Uh, but when we get back, Tanner, what are we going to be talking about? Well, like I was just alluding to, uh, we're actually coming up on the middle of this book. I think the, the piece that everything revolves around, which is this poem that shows how Jesus lived out this value of humility. Glenn. Tanner. Did you know that you can actually hear or read the backstory of Philippians in the Bible? No. (laughs) (laughs) But yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's in Acts 16, and we didn't have time to cover it on today's episode, but we're writing about it. No way. Yeah. Tanner, where can I read that if I want to know? You can see it at bibleandstuff.com. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be great. The way this whole thing works is we have this... Hopefully, wonderful podcast that we've worked really hard on. Uh, but we also have articles that we're going to continue to talk about Philippians and pull out little things and bigger context even of the book throughout the next couple of months before we switch and talk about some other great book of the Bible.
0: That's right, guys. Check it out. There's tons of awesome resources there. We're excited to share this with you. Let's grow together. All right, guys, let's learn about this poem that Tanner has been telling us about, (laughs) how this humility that Paul is going through is is showing joy. Let's get to the meat of this. Should we do it? Let's Let's do it. it.
1: So at this point in the book, Paul starts what I'm going to call the example trio the it's Example Trio. Wow, what a name. I just made that on the
0: spot. If people weren't listening before, they are intrigued oh, now. Oh, it's
1: great. The Example Trio. What is it? It's a trio of examples.
0: Sounds like a Taco Bell menu item. Oh, it's great. Mm,
1: Taco, um, Bell. Taco Bell's good. It is. We should have had Taco Bell for the podcast, <laughs> but people don't want to hear us eat on mic. No. So, the uh, best example, obviously, is Jesus. I think Jesus is our example. He's a whole lot more than that, but of course, he is... Our example. And so Paul takes that idea that we were talking about um, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, that command he just gave, and he continues it into what is kind of this like beautiful poem that talks about Jesus and how Jesus modeled these aspects of holiness for us. And he says, starting in verse 6, Jesus and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So that's a lot, yeah. <laughs> and it's a little bit to unpack. Let's do it. Yeah, but it's all really good. So one of the first things that jumps out to me is he says, Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So again, like we talked about, like our tendency is generally not humility our tendency is generally selfishness, self-centeredness, and a lot of times pride. And I think part of that comes from, like we mentioned, we have this sinful nature, and that's because we are born under the headship of Adam. We're born into the family of Adam. And Adam, if we trace back to Genesis, he ate of the fruit of the tree they wasn't supposed to eat of because the serpent told them that it would make them like God. So Jesus, who though he was already God, didn't see that as something to strive for. Yeah. Adam, who was lowly like us, thought, I want to be like God. I want to be God. And Jesus had every reasonable excuse to be able to basically, I'm God. Yeah, he had stepped down from being God (laughs) to be both God and man. He didn't stop being God. It's a big complicated thing. We'll talk about it in a future episode. Yes, we will. (laughs) But he... Yeah, he had all the reasons to come down to earth and act like God, and he didn't. He took on a human body, he humbled himself, um, not just that far, but even so far as to die on a cross when clearly he didn't deserve to die, because he didn't sin, he was perfect. But us, like Adam, a lot of times are actually looking for a way to make ourselves our own little gods. We make the rules, we say what's right and wrong, and we ultimately get to pick what is good for us and bad for us and how the world should work.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I totally see that in myself all the time. Uh, I mean, specifically if I'm, I'm thinking about big decisions that need to be made. I mean, I, I put myself in control.
1: We are trying to take the place of God. When we decide what's right and wrong, what's good and bad, and we do that all the time. Yeah. We do that when we're in an argument with our wife and like we're convinced that we're in the right and they're not. <laughs> they are sinful and we are judge, jury, and not executioner, but you yeah. get the idea. Well, I mean, we even
0: even taking it beyond that, we see it in our society now with like even just the idea of like what morals are. We have We've completely changed as a society mm-hmm. I guess what morals are versus what truth is mm-hmm. if that may- I mean I don't want to get like I don't want to get into it and talk about all these things that I don't agree with or whatever, but I think anybody can look at our society and things that are going on today and easily see like here's the truth that God has set here's what, here's where our morals originally came from, and here is how skewed they are now because people have become their own gods. They have decided that what they believe is, is best and people should follow them,
1: and yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, so we're definitely not a, a political podcast, but... Uh, and I'm I'm certainly not one to wave the flag of like we're a Christian country that was founded on the Bible and like why don't we look to the Bible about what's right and wrong, but we do clearly see how messy it gets when we just decide to make up the rules and say what's good and bad, and you see how that's fleshed out in like cancel culture and all this other weirdness that happens um, right now in that some people just are really vocal and they're calling the shots about what is right and what is wrong and what's unacceptable. And that just is illustrative of this point of like our tendency is really to try to control and to try to make ourselves the boss and make ourselves Lord over everything. Right, which makes sense because we know better than God, right? Yeah, 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 we certainly tend to think that way. That's kind of how Paul finishes this section, too, is that he says, Christ is Lord every, over everything. Everything's going to bow to him, to the glory of God the Father. He's going to be Lord over all. So, Christ is God. So, sorry, back up just a little bit. Christ humbled himself, came, gave us a way to salvation by doing all those things, which isn't explicitly covered here, but... Paul goes on to say what this means about Jesus. Yes, Jesus is an example for us and how we should live humbly, but it also shows him what he believes and who he believes Christ really is, which is Christ is God, Christ is Lord over all, and Christ is really the one that's in control and the one that we should submit ourselves to. Yeah.
0: So we've made it through our first example of the example trio, oh, it's a trio as we've so coined it. Uh what what is example number 2 and how is
1: how is it even better than Jesus? Should I feel like <laughs> did we do this in the wrong order or it, I mean it's interesting cuz we did start with Jesus which is clearly like supreme over the others but I think it's good that Paul gives us other human examples because in our human tendency, it'd be like, well, yeah, but we just said Christ is God. Like, okay, he's our example, but he's God. Like, how are we supposed to (laughs) live up to that? And so Paul takes it a little further. He's like, well, let me give you two more, okay? Number two, there's this guy named Timothy, and I really hope to send him to you. Again, he's writing this letter, and he's saying, I hope to come to you guys, and I hope to send my friend Timothy, and the reason I want to send Timothy is because there is no one like him who is genuinely concerned for your welfare. So he gives in a few verses here this example of Timothy, and the reason that he says he wants to send him is because he's worried about you. He's not just thinking about himself. In fact, he says Timothy isn't concerned with himself. He's serving Jesus, and because of that, he's concerned about you guys.
0: Yeah, kind of living out of that same humility that Paul is, is striving for. Basically. Yeah,
1: what, what can just seem as like this housekeeping of Paul saying, hey, I'm going to send my friend Timothy, is really Paul doing that, but also giving us an example of how this type of humility is lived out. But even more so in the last example he gives, which is Epaphroditus. So we talked about the beginning, this is all kind of a thank you letter of Paul telling the Philippians, hey, thanks for sending me stuff, thanks for sending someone to care for me, and that person is Epaphroditus. And what Paul says about him here is that I'm excited to send him back to you because he's been longing for you, and he's been distressed because you heard he was ill. And he was ill, in fact, he was almost ill to the point of dying, but God had mercy on him and he ends that little section by saying so receive him with joy and honor him because he nearly died for the work of Christ and he risked his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me
0: i guess i can see how those two could <laughs> follow up not not so closely behind jesus but in a in a sense that hey these are people you know mm-hmm. these are people that i know that i trust who are who are looking after you who are caring for you Caring so much so to the point where they nearly died. Yeah. So, these, yeah, these, these guys seem like pretty legit examples. Thank you for sharing that trio of examples, <laughs> or example trio. What I don't even
1: remember yeah, what you called sure. it. Yeah, sure. Well, again, I think he really puts me on the bones of the Jesus example, which can be easier for us to write off if we're not careful, by saying, yeah, Jesus was obedient to the point of death, and Epaphroditus, this normal guy, basically almost got there too. So, what? I mean, what excuse do we have? Epaphroditus, like you said, is literally one of them. And uh, he's thinking so little of himself that he literally almost lost himself. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think these are great examples. I know I've read through the notes and we've talked about this on and off, but like really hashing this out over the podcast just now, like it is, there's conviction mm-hmm. as you're reading this. Like, man, if I'm in the position of these examples, am I going to be able to do that? Like, mm. am I in a place? And I'd, I'd love to say that I am, <laughs> but I, I feel like if I were put on the spot in that moment, it would it would be difficult for me to, to say, okay, I'll take death to, to help these people. And, you know, I don't Absolutely. know. It's hard, but I want to, this is, sorry. It's convicting, but it's also encouraging to know that there are people that have done this, they're human, just like us, mm-hmm. uh, and,
1: and they've done it. I agree. And we've been following the same theme kind of throughout the book. It almost sounded like a broken record, to be honest, because when you really start to see that, you kind of see it everywhere in the book. But Paul does this cool thing in the next little section that we're going to talk about where he kind of plays devil's advocate, or at the very least, he offers another point of view. In which he says, "I could boast, like hey, yeah, yeah. Humble, 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 but let's stop. I could boast <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if I." He has,
0: w- <laughs> he has reason that he could.
1: He has a pedigree. He's got he's got a rap sheet of cool things, and he goes on and on. I won't read the whole thing, but it's three, four through six. He says, "I have confidence in flesh, I was circumcised on the eighth day." I was of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was a Pharisee. I was a zealot. Not only was I like the best of the best in my class, but I was persecuting all the other people, the Christians who were doing it wrong and messing it up. Yeah. And I don't know if this is even like the right thing to say or appropriate. Uh-oh. I don't think it's bad, but like the thing I wrote in my notes is like, he's the Jew of all Jews. <laughs> in the group of Jews, he's the top Jew. He's. The boss, and he doesn't see that stuff with as much reverence and awe as he used to because as he goes on, he says, yeah, whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Yeah. So now he looks at all those things and says, man, I could boast. I'm telling you, I'm better than you. <laughs> but now I see that stuff as rubbish because I see Christ as so great. And when he uses that word rubbish, it it's so it's kind of crass. It's like dung in, yeah. in the actual uh, Greek. And he's obviously emphasizing his point of <laughs> what he thinks of our great accomplishments, which, frankly, I don't like. <laughs> yeah, he kind of, it's a little bit of a sting there. Yeah, I mean, we, we, and especially me, like I tend to take a lot of pride in my accomplishments and paul says okay we we can talk (laughs) 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 i could feel the pride in your fake laugh right there too no i'm kidding oh you hurt me (laughs) paul says like we can talk about the stuff you've done tanner we can talk about the stuff i've done here's what that looks like yeah and he's a little gracious in the fact that he uses himself as an example and he didn't write to the philippians there's gonna be this guy named tanner yeah let's <laughs> call him out but essentially when we read this i think that's the effect it's yeah, supposed like, to have. quit your
0: quit your complaining okay <laughs> here's here's what here's my situation here's what i've been through i have every reason
1: yeah i was top dog and now i'm in jail and uh but it's cool it's cool this is better jesus is better yeah
0: man that is good stuff so i i mean i feel like that that he's made his point, it's clear, but what else, I mean, where does it go from here?
1: So a couple things as we continue to reverberate out from that center poem of the book, as he kind of comes to a conclusion, he gives one more command, which he says, rejoice in the Lord always. So he's built up humility, 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 humility. Now rejoice and don't be anxious about anything. Pray about it. And give thanks to God, and let your requests be be made known to God, and he will give you peace. So now he's kind of pulling back the curtain and says, guys, I'm not doing this on my own. We said the theme of the book was joy through humility, but that humility, if we were to continue that into a, a fuller thought, is found in Christ. And so he's saying, the way I'm humble is because I'm always finding my joy in the Lord. And anything that I do worry about or stress about or want God to change, I just talk to him about it and pray about it. And he gives me peace because I know he's in control and his will will be done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of going through this and hearing him say, Rejo- rejoice always. Like, it's reminding me... I uh, I feel like I've heard so many people have this debate about, well, how do you, there's a phrase, rejoice even in your suffering. Mm-hmm. And people are always like, why would I want to rejoice about my re- my suffering? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, 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 you're not rejoicing about the suffering. You're rejoicing in your suffering.
1: That's a good point. And I think what's the nugget that's hidden in here that speaks to that is Paul is giving up that desire to be his own God. Yeah. He's saying, instead of in suffering, saying, this is not right. It needs to be changed. He's saying, this is where God has me, and he is in control, and I know I can trust him. He loves me. He cares for me. So I'm giving up trying to change this. I'm giving up trying to fix this. And instead, I'm rejoicing even in these circumstances that God has put me in.
0: Yeah. I I always try to think of these things in, I don't know, easier terms, um, Mm -hmm. relatable areas. And now having kids, it's like, I feel like everything just relates to that. But I'm even thinking like, as a parent, when I discipline my I'm not gonna say my kids because I have a five month old. I'm not really <laughs> disciplining her, but when I discipline my son, I mean, I'm not doing it just to to be angry or like. Mm. There's reason behind it. I, it's for him to be able to learn, and I know as he grows, he'll eventually kind of learn. Like, yeah, I screwed up, and I'm I'm being punished or being disciplined for this because i screwed up and my dad is only doing this because he loves me he wants me to learn Mm -hmm. and that is it's probably going to take a while for him to learn that it took me a while to learn that but i i think that is what our relationship with god needs to be like Mm -hmm. even in those times not that he is necessarily punishing us or or anything but in those moments where we're struggling we know god still has our back
1: he loves us and we're not in this alone for clarity's sake, and like you said, you're not saying this. Suffering is not always equal to God disciplining us or whatever. But, yeah, just knowing that it's there for a reason. And I think the, the struggle for me is to realize that when I pray to God in those times of suffering or those downs or those struggles, like not necessarily asking for it to change. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that's so tough. hard. And Paul's saying, rejoice in those things. Like, gosh, I don't I don't know how to do it yet. But I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm trying to be able to set in those things and hopefully be open to what God is trying to show me in them. Yeah. Everything
0: Paul's saying is just resonating. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm feeling all of this. Yeah, I actually here, here I go relating again. One of my favorite shows was if you Lost.
1: Talk about Lost. <laughs> I knew it would come up.
0: And uh, I think I'm pretty sure I've told you this before, probably. But uh, there's there's an episode where there's this junkie who has been <laughs> stuck on an island without his drugs, and he's starting to get kind of worked up. And he finally found his his stash. Um, But this guy, John, has been keeping it from him to help him. And they've knowingly talked about it and all this stuff. And so Charlie uh, is finally to the point where he's like about to break down. He's like, I need my drugs. And so John gives him this great example. And he walks over to this tree where there just happens to be a cocoon. And he's talking about this particular uh, moth who's inside this cocoon. And right now he is struggling and fighting to break his way through the cocoon to get out. Mm-hmm. And John says, you know, I could I could go in right now and just cut this open and let him out and be free. But if he doesn't go through the struggling and fighting to get out of that cocoon, mm. he doesn't have the strength to survive. Gotcha. It's, it's all part of the process. And so I'm thinking about this now, and you're talking about like praying to God, like, just get me out of this. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we're in it because... We need to grow. We need to learn. Like these struggles are are what make us who we are as we grow. And um, I'm not saying that God is always putting us into those positions per se, but yeah. He's not always going to pull us out of them right away because mm-hmm.
1: we need we need to learn. Yeah. Well, I was going to make the point you just made, which is like. He's not always causing them, but in like Romans, he says he works all things to the good of those who love them. So like even if we're in a bad situation that's just caused by sin, not because the Lord was like this horrible thing's going to happen to you. God is going to use that for good. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, so we've kind of
0: reached the end of Philippians. I think there's a couple of verses left how how does paul kind of wrap up this whole letter to the philippians and how does it apply t- to us
1: well we are coming to the next big coffee cup verse or uh maybe like a basketball shirt um like <laughs> maybe this like goes like your high school sports team if you were a christian like almost wrote this inevitably wrote this on something and maybe the second most quoted verse or known verse besides John John 3.16, which is Philippians 4.13, like the cat's out of the bag, you probably already know. But the key there is context, and not only are we going to read a couple of verses around that, but also like we now have seen what Paul is talking about through this entire book. And so in Philippians 4.11, Paul says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, I know how to abound, In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So we see how Paul is applying these ideas that he's talking about in his own life, not just in his current situation, but how he's done it in the past, how he's going to continue to do it in the future. He's going to face everything through Christ and through looking to Christ for his strength, which is kind of what we just talked about. It is really hard, but is kind of all of the Christian life is realizing that we are weak and that he is strong and we have to look to him for that strength.
0: Yeah, and it has taken me so long to learn that. Uh, My entire upbringing in my Christian faith, I always... Even though I had heard it so many times, it's not about your work. It's not about your work. I always pointed it back to that. I always thought, I am not good enough. I'm not a good enough Christian. I'm not a good enough Christian. I'm not a good enough Christian. And that's not the point. The point is, you will never be good enough, but
1: Jesus was. Yeah, or Paul gets that. Or even if you're really type A, like Paul was, and you do yeah. <laughs> all the things Christ, you know, g- the Bible or or church or whatever has asked of you, still not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Christ is good enough. In fact, Christ did come and do all those things, and then he gave it up because he loved us. And so what I, what I wrote down here, uh, it sounded really good in my notes. We'll see if it sounds as good out loud, was... Paul has had a lot, and he's had a little, but he's always had Christ. So the common denominator in every situation is Jesus, and that's how he does it. That's how he makes it through. That's how he has joy, through humility, because it's in Christ. And there it is, folks. That's it. We just put a bow on it. Yeah, we did. And like, if you haven't already guessed, it's kind of like what we hope to do at the end of these podcasts is to take the big idea and say, okay, it's in your lap now. So now we have something that we've thought about, we've talked about, we've worked out and now it's yours and you get to do with it, um, whatever you will. And, and hopefully, um, it helps. Hopefully it challenges you and hopefully, yeah, it it changes some things for the better. Well, guys, hopefully you have
0: enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as we have enjoyed working through it and and making it. Yeah, this was great. We're we're really excited about some of the uh, upcoming podcasts and uh, content that we have coming out. Uh, We hope that you'll stick around and listen to more. But yeah, we're excited to have you on with us. We'll see you again next week.
1: The Bible and Stuff podcast is a production of Bible and Stuff. We do more than just podcasts, so if you want to know more about something we've covered on the show, just visit our website at bibleandstuff.com. Our show is hosted by Tanner Britt and Glenn Brand, and our theme music is by The Sing Team. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.